dear friend, welcome back to the Neighbors Church Podcast Conversations. Uh, it is the end of the summer, and it's fall, and my wife and I, and Shua, and Alexa, and the rest of our team, we've had a nice long break. We've definitely had a nice long break. I'm not sure if Shu and Alexa feel like they've had a break because yeah. they had a baby, which yeah is not really a break. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're <laughs> definitely in the what has happened to our life. This little human never sleeps phase, which is uh, fun to watch. And baby Moses is incredibly. Adorable. He's literally the cutest little thing yeah. ever. <laughs> well, we we literally could not be any more excited about getting back to these conversations. Uh, oftentimes, in my own life and rhythms, after I come back from a long, extended season of of rest, my brain literally just explodes with visions and ideas. And as I've aged and implemented the practices that we so value in our community, stillness and simplicity. I've learned to let these things not drive me, but to pace them. And that mm-hmm. is actually uh, our topic. So just to, before we get to our talk, before we get to our conversations and stuff, we want to kind of lay out a roadmap for the way we're going to be doing um, conversations and contemplates as we get back into the fall uh, and rhythms for our community. So we will always continue to post Sunday mornings. And then um, we're going to be changing up the framework of how we do conversations and contemplates. Yeah, we really, as we've prayed about it over the summer um, and just talked about it with Shua and just been thinking about and our, feedback from you guys, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, we just really feel like we're going to move more towards at the first of the week of each month, the first week of each month, we're going to release a conversation but we're actually going to move toward releasing a contemplate meditation every week um, just as a tool for you guys to utilize as well. We're going to definitely be giving a little more theological backing and teaching on what those meditations are supposed to be for us. Um, just so, you know, the, the meditation and mindfulness thing is in the air right now. And we definitely want you guys to walk away with that sure foundation that we are abiding and maintaining the authority of scripture and rooting ourselves in that. And that's where, um, the practice of stillness and silence and meditation come from. You know, I wanted to say before we get into our topic for today, this summer we talked with so many of you. It was crazy. I mean, from Seattle to Idaho, friends of ours, family, uh, and those of you that have been listening to this podcast and your feedback Mm -hmm. has been, oh, it was, I mean, my wife and I have reflected so much and so often on so many encouraging words and so I think I just want to say what an honor, as always, and what a privilege it is um, that you would allow us into your headspace as we Mm kind of get to journey together. And talking with so many of you through these past months as we took a break and reflected and everything, I just had this sense of the unique way that community is formed. And we're we're forming this, this neighbor's community here in San Diego, but there are those of you that are like part of our community. Mm -hmm. And um you know who you are right now as you I guys, tell you how much I genuinely love you. I love you. Yes, you guys are our neighbors too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, here's here's where we would like to meditate for this month. Um, 
like I said, whenever I come back from a season of deep rest, whether it's a month of vacation or taking a break from a particular ministry setting, I tend to come back with a ton of energy and a ton of ideas. Actually, some of my staff back in Seattle used to say when Dan and Lex would get back from vacation, just get ready because here comes all the ideas. And I've learned how to um, tone that. And there's a particular meditation that my father has had me in, I would say, probably since the beginning of our break, um, clear back in June. And here's why. Um, we are getting into the fall. Everybody's going back to school. Um, our, most of you that are part of Neighbors that listen to this community, you know that right now we're on a real uptick. Things are um, they're moving and grooving as we get into the fall. We've gotten into Adams Elementary, and we're trying to make some, some hires for our community. So all of that creates a level of pacing. Mm-hmm. And the tendency is for us to get back into the busyness, and let the busyness drive the bus. <laughs> we let the busyness and uh, the the tyranny of the urgent. There is always something urgent, and it's always tyrannical in nature, and it must be done. Uh, we let that begin to rule us until we reach this point of being exhausted by the enslavement. Mm -hmm. And so this particular meditation um, is something that I'm carrying with me into the fall. And as a church plant, it's also important that we are continually coming back to our values of stillness, simplicity, and spirit. Um, We're not, um, as a church plant, we really have intentionally set out to not just be, oh, let's just go at this and produce, 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 but we've really wanted to adhere to our values of stillness, simplicity, and spirit. And so out of stillness, we want godly action to come forth. With simplicity, we want to do things in a way um, that honors the spirit, that isn't us just doing things um, and um, performing in a way that's just for the sake of doing something. And we want all of what we do um, to be fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Often, many of you know, in our gatherings, we often say, Holy Spirit, come. And so really, um, it's important as a church plant and as a church that we're constantly revisiting, okay, why, why stillness? Why simplicity? Why spirit? Why do we need the spirit to go before us? Yeah. On that, remember, friends, the Christian life and the practices of discipleship, we swim in this cultural aquarium of one, two, three steps and you've arrived. The Christian life is really um, spent recognizing when mission and vision drift has happened. So if your vision and values and mission is rooted in those, for us, those core values of simplicity and stillness and spirit, uh, there is about a million black holes that are trying to, the gravity of those black holes are trying to drag you away from your values and your vision and your mission. So you have to continually be returning to those things over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So uh, clear back in the beginning of June, before we went on vacation, I was doing a deep meditation in um, the book of Genesis. And I'd reached the story of Jacob. Now, most of you are familiar with Jacob, but if you're not, just a, a brief overview. His name literally means heel catcher. Jacob was a yellow-toothed car salesman. <laughs> he, If you're a car salesman, yeah. we don't think all of you are yellow-toothed. Oh, 
<laughs> but he uh, he was manipulative. Um, he was uh, he was a power hungry individual. He uh, knew how to turn the dials of relationships and mm-hmm. life in such a way as to get what he wanted. And um, you know he's he's actually he's actually kind of a schmuck. Uh, and there's a Jacob that dwells in all of us. Whenever we read the Hebrew texts and scriptures, uh, those sages were always inviting us to explore, like, where's the Jacob in us? So we all have those manipulative tendencies. But Jacob was a he was he was at the top of the list. So as you follow Jacob's life, you're seeing the transformation of a man. And there's this incredible scene where uh, he had manipulated his brother Esau and now he was returning. He'd been separated from his brother that he had manipulated and lied to and stolen stuff from. And now he was going back to his homelands and he was going to be confronted by his brother Esau. And Jacob's terrified. He's, he's terrified that his brother Esau is just going to annihilate him, just destroy him. Mm-hmm. And so um, this very fascinating scene comes about where Jacob begins to put together all of his wealth and his flocks. And he does his kind of Jacob thing where he's like, I'm going to manipulate the situation. I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to do everything I can to get what I want to protect myself. And he determines that he's going to send his wives and his children and his flocks in front of him, somewhat to impress Esau, somewhat to buy Esau off. Uh, He wants to to convince his brother, almost bribe him not to give him the beatdown, so to speak. Yeah, right? he was really like strategizing mm-hmm. and trying to present himself in a way that he was trying to control the outcome. Yeah. So if you're not, if, if you've never done that, well, God bless, God bless you. Uh, but we all do that. We mm-hmm. all strategize. In fact, you may be strategizing something right now, figuring out how to make some situation go the way that you want it to go. And um, you're already in that kind of pace of staying up all night, whatever it is that you experience in your body as you're trying to control something. Okay, story goes on. It's it's this bizarre scene um, where Jacob sends the the flocks and everybody in front of him, and all the Hebrew text says is that he wrestled with a man of God, the angel of the Lord. And through the night, he wrestles with this, this being, this mysterious being, and as he wrestles, uh, this being realizes, or I guess uh, decides that Jacob will not stop wrestling with him. And so this being, this angel of the Lord, touches Jacob's hip and wounds him, wounds him. But in that process, Jacob, in his wounding and in his wrestling with um, what we now believe to be a, a theophany, God in the flesh, uh, Jacob is changed. And God renames him uh, Israel, uh, which can be very literally translated, one who prevails. There's something in this wrestling match with Jacob, something shifts in him. And for myself, as I've been meditating, it's this moment where Jacob is brought to his wit's end. He has, he's doing everything he can to protect himself. He's still being kind of manipulative, kind of overly strategic in the way he's going to relate to his brother Esau. And then there's this, this intense scene of wrestling with God. And it's in that intensity of coming to his wit's end and wrestling with God and God wounding him, like God literally breaking his hip 
that Jacob receives his new name and he is changed. Okay, now just a little bit further into the story. Just, I want you to have the full picture. Chapter 33 of Genesis, all of the flocks are going before Esau, and Esau then approaches Jacob, and Jacob uh, is ready for the beatdown. But instead, Esau's like, what are all these flocks? What are you doing? How come you've sent all these things in front of you? And Jacob literally tells him, like, I, these are a gift for you. And Esau's like, hey, man, it's all good. And I truly believe that Jacob's wrestling with God had created this forgiveness in Esau somehow. And Esau's forgiveness, Esau's mercy is just a mark of how God will go before us. We don't need to set up things to go before us to get done what needs to be done. What we need to do is wrestle with God and allow him to even break us so that God can do what he wants to do in whatever situation we're dealing with. But here's the incredible insight that I have really been meditating on. This is the kernel of our conversation for the day. Esau and Jacob meet, they talk, everything is great. And Esau says, okay, Jacob, come on, let's go back to our homeland. Let's go right now. And Jacob makes this this really interesting comment. He says to his brother Esau, you know that the flocks and the children can't be driven too quickly. And so you go on ahead of me and I will go at the pace of the flocks. Mm-hmm. There is something both, I think, in Jacob's brokenness, having wrestled with God, there is something in experiencing this release from Esau that wasn't based on what Jacob did. It was it was a supernatural release that God brought about, I think, through the wrestling and through the prayer. It's as if Jacob can come to rest now and he can go the pace of the flock. He doesn't need to strategize any longer. He doesn't need to move ahead. He doesn't need to get it figured out. He can be constrained. He can be restrained, not only by his own personal weakness, but he can be now constrained by the weaknesses and the slowness, the inabilities, the ineptitude of his own flocks. And I would say the kernel of this conversation is that in some measure, now Jacob was still kind of schmucky, but in some measure, He's less about himself and he's more about those that he could care for. And you see it in this mark of going the pace of the flocks. You know, really all of us have, like Jacob, um, been wounded. We've been um, marked, uh, so to speak, um, through different circumstances in our lives and different seasons that we've gone through, um, often that are painful uh, most of the significant things we endure in life um, have a level of pain to it. And obviously, you know, we can, marriage is significant and having children significant, but it, you know, all of those things um, have aspects that come with it that have pain to it. The most significant things in life usually have something with it that's that's painful. Marriage can have pain points, and that's significant in our life. Even having children, this gift um, of being able to have a child, there's a lot of pain that comes with having a child. So all of us have been wounded um, at different times in our lives and slowed down by it. And um, even Jacob having this this hip out of socket and this limp for the rest of his life um, 
really that became his badge of honor. It, it was this marking that became a point of honor in his life. It slowed him down in a way where um, there was an honor in it. He was given a new name, a new identity mm. in Jesus. Mm. And so many of us have these these different things that have wounded us and that have made us, have slowed us down to go at the pace of the flock. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a limitation that is physical. It can be a mental and emotional um, slowing down. Mm-hmm. It can be uh, going at the pace of our circumstances. We each have different things that have contributed to our lives that have slowed us down. Um, so really, I think this this begs the question, um, where have we wrestled with God and have been wounded and forced to slow down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really, it plays out in every way. So for here's a really quick example for myself. Um, I am at a stage in, the, in my fitness career, my armchair amateur fitness career, where I'm literally recognizing I, I have to slow down. And um, it's hard. It's really hard when in your mind you're still 18 years old, but your tendons and your tissues, they are 44 years old. And um, and you've done a lot of running and gunning on those tendons and tissues. I, I mean, have. Downhill skiing. Yeah. You know, intensive sports. Yeah, a lot of athletics. A lot and of wear and tear. A lot of years of CrossFit now. And that's been the thing. Um, it's been really interesting because, you know, our church is really young and all these young people want to come over and work out. And uh, <laughs> I, I have found myself really, uh, you know, back in my 30s when we were still in Seattle working out with the guys at the gym, just wanting to compete like crazy. And it just breaking me, constantly being broken, but just badgering through that pain so that I could be somebody in the gym, right? That's just, it's so ludicrous now at my age. But here I am, and I'm more than willing to uh, reduce the weight. And I'm more than willing to reduce the reps and um, let the young guys do what they do. I don't want to, um, I don't want to bowl through the pain, my shoulder pain. Like I want to, I actually, it's a mark of maturity. It's a mark of wisdom that says, okay, the body is telling me right now that something is off. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to tend to that. I'm going to make that priority. It's a shifting of emphasis in what I, and how I understand valuing and loving and caring for myself and actually building an identity out of security and comfort. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, friend, where is there wounding that you are just bowling right through? Is it is is there something that God is saying, hey, this wounding is actually to slow you down. It's mm-hmm. to transform you. Mm-hmm. This pain, this physical pain, it's to transform you. This mental pain. Um, and so many of us are dealing with, with mental issues and mental wounding, mental pain. Mm-hmm. And that is not to be run from. It's, it's, to be, uh, it's to be embraced and allow it to produce deep prayer. Mm-hmm. There is this, um, this state that we find ourselves in as a culture, as a society, where mental health really is, um, for so many, deteriorated. Many are struggling with depression and anxiety, um, a loneliness. 
And I would say that um, as a Christian, if you are someone who's struggling with this debilitating depression or anxiety, that there is this invitation in that. Mm. I would not say that anxiety and depression is from God, but I would say that through the tender working of your father in those circumstances, there's an invitation to slow down and give attention to what's happening there, what's going on, and inviting the spirit to transform those areas of your life. Um, And even if it's something that gives you a limp your entire life, Mm There's this beautiful working that can happen by the Spirit through those circumstances, this transformation that though it may be a limp, it may also be this badge of honor, this this new identity that's given to you through it. Yeah. This wasn't even on the radar, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. Um, this morning as I met with my therapist and my spiritual director, we're doing some new work in my own soul at 44, some wounds. And... There was this moment where he leaned into me and he said, you need to realize that the most important responsibility in this season of your life, not not to the neglect of your wife and your children and your church and leadership, you don't neglect those things, but taking priority one and getting to the root of this particular wounding that we're talking about getting to the root of it and allowing God to begin to heal it. That is the most important thing. And dear friend, that means that I have to slow some other things down. I can't distract. Uh, I can't run from it. And that may be terrifying. That, that, that may be scary for you right now as you're sitting there considering, oh, this thing that drives me, this thing that I've been running from, this thing, I, it's not like you have to face it. It's, it's like my wife said, it's an invitation to go more deeply and, and wrestle more completely with your father so that this badge of honor becomes the mark of your life. Even if that badge of honor is, is, a, is a limp <laughs> that you're left with. Mm-hmm. So we want to we explore some other things. It's not only the wounding um, in prayer and in our personal lives, but it's the limitations of what God puts us in mm-hmm. that causes us to go the pace of the flock. Yeah. There's even just in life, there's the going the pace of our circumstances. Um, I'm really reminded of this, even as I think about my mom who uh, was caring for my grandma, um, the last and final years of my grandma's life. And, um, you know, my mom is a hard working, driven woman. Um, we always joke, and I think I've said it before, that she's the type of person that's always trying to stuff 50 pounds in a 30 pound bag. Um, she will push her limitations to the nth degree. Um, but she realized in the those final years of my grandma's life that my grandma um, was slowing her down. She, my, my mom was having to slow her pace for the sake of my grandma. And sometimes, um, that was frustrating for my mom at times she'd feel overwhelmed by that, or maybe she'd feel annoyed by that. But one of the things as I was just talking to my mom and asking her about this and just, you know, checking in with her to say, are you okay with me sharing this on, on this podcast? I asked her, you know, what is one thing you learned, um, during that final year with grandma where you had had 
a few years of repetition and learning and growing and having to slow down in this area. And I asked her, you know, what, what's the one thing you took from that? And my mom said that she came to realize that there was really no place as important than to be right there by the side of her mother. Mm. And of course, you know, with my grandma passing back in April, that was a very emotional thing for my mom to say, even to me in that conversation, just realizing everything else wasn't as important as that moment where she had to slow down and be by the side of her mother. And I would want to encourage you guys, you know, many of us have circumstances that might feel frustrating, Mm -hmm. um, might feel annoying, that might even make us feel angry. Um, But there is something to be found in that. And like for my mom, there was this intimacy created with her mother by having to slow down and go the pace of my grandma physically, even going the pace of my grandmother mentally as, as her mind deteriorated. There was this intimacy in those moments of slowing down that was created. And dear friend, I want to encourage you, if there's some circumstances that are slowing you down, there's an intimacy that abounds in that slowing down. Mm. There's a closeness that's that can be created if you're willing to slow down. Yeah, let that be a theme through the rest of this month. This slowing down thing is about intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's your personal wounding, the depression, the anxiety, there's no speedy way through that. Mm-hmm. You have to go at the pace of your own soul. And our souls, they're not speed machines, friends. We have been designed to be reflective lakes of God's glory. Mm-hmm. And the winds that rip up and stir up the waves of our souls um, must be let go of. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful intimacy, and it's a, it's a painful intimacy, but it's also a joyful intimacy. Let's dial this into the framework of our community because it's not just the individual that we're talking about here. We're talking about a community that looks at one another and says, how do I move at the, pl- at the pace of the flock mm-hmm. that I've been placed around? And no matter where you find yourself in community, more than ever, more than ever, your church, the family of God, you are tethered to these humans. And in some way, in some mysterious fashion, you're tethered to their limitations. And that means that church is not going, church is not about going to be with the new hip group. Church is not about affinity-based stuff, like I'm going to go hang out with all the singles that are 27 years old and working on this track in their careers. Like that, that is so the opposite of what the church and the family of Jesus actually is. We are actually tethered to each other's limitations, and we learn to move at the pace of each other as we are in each other's midst, as we are in each other's presence. Yeah, I would say slowing down and moving at the pace of the flock um, really can be a powerful expression of the spirit working within a, within a community. And so I would say that slowing down within community can look like taking time for one another. Um, maybe it's more listening and less talking. Families, maybe it's bringing in singles to your home where they feel like they get to sit around a kitchen table and have a meal with a family family and be brought in. But that's slowing down and making space for that and not just 
as a family pushing ahead with your schedules and your demands, but saying, no, we want to slow down. We want to make space for this. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be having, you know, to that point, having an open table, extending hospitality to um, one another and to our neighbors, to those who aren't yet part of the family of Jesus. And on that, honey, it's really interesting. It feels like this conversation has moved in concentric circles. We've started with the the wounding and the slowing down our own souls uh, and that wrestling with God, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And then we moved it somewhat outward to the limitations of our circumstances, the limitations of our our finances that we just, we have to slow down and let God go before us in those limitations. We have to recognize our weakness that we can't control it. And then we've moved into now a brief kind of bullet point on community. And I think the next place that we need to move at the pace of the flock is this outward look. Where are there people and souls Mm -hmm. that our current pace causes us to just pass right over? In my own life right now, when I go to pick my daughter up from her little ice cream shop job, um, there's a particular homeless woman on the corner. She always she always sets up shop. She always sets up her sleeping place right by uh, Edison Elementary, and she's always standing slumped over. And about four or five times now, I've driven past and I've glanced over, and I've thought to myself, maybe I could just and should go pray with her. But then the pacing. I got to get home. I got to get all my stuff ready. But what if limiting myself to the pace of Jesus's flock and the Mm. poor and the homeless would say, no, no, I'm going to limit myself tonight to the pace of this woman, this broken woman, and I'm just going to go get her name and just talk to her. You see, the action of Jesus in this world is always towards the slow, the inept, the broken, the wounded, the hurting, mm-hmm. the incapable. And we live in a culture that despises those things, if we're really honest. It's why Christianity is so backwards, and it's why true Christian practice in this life is so difficult. And so, friends, I think that's actually uh, a powerful and um, a good point of meditation, a good place for us to stop um, even this conversation now. Um This coming month, we want to admonish you and encourage you and even ourselves to to slow down, to go the pace of the flock. That may be going the pace of your own soul, your own Mm. limitations, Mm -hmm. your physical limitations, your mental limitations. Maybe you're going the pace of your wounding where you need to give some attention and step into the invitation of the Spirit. Maybe this month you're feeling inclined by the spirit to go the pace of your circumstances. Maybe there's something circumstantially that um, you've been slowed down. And this conversation is a reminder to say, it's okay to slow down. Mm -hmm. Let those circumstances slow you down and step into the intimacy that can be created through that slowing down. Perhaps you're feeling inclined to slow down for community, for those within our body Maybe you need to welcome someone to your table this month. Maybe you need to um, send someone a note in the mail. Take the time to handwrite a note and send them a little note in the mail and encourage them. Mm. Or maybe the Spirit's inclining you to slow down where you can actually see humanity living amongst us, the marginalized, 
the off-scouring of culture, those who have really nothing to offer that we think, but really um, they have much to offer you and your own soul. So we just want to encourage you with those words and bless you as you go forth this month in going the pace of the flock. Shalom, friends. Shalom. Shalom.